and you begin to to uh, ask for this gifts of the spirit to be manifested in your life the enemy's going to come and try to destroy you try to stop you in any way that he can we see that satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown if you don't know that's coming if you don't understand what it is he's talking about uh you'll have you'll you'll be one of the three uh, 75 percent that don't get it but we want you to get it it's important that you do now we we talked last time we we finished up on mark 4 35 through 40 uh 41 this is the storm story i'm going to go through it again that same day when the evening came he said to them let's go over to the other side that's the same uh that's a word that's a word from god that is the sower sows the word we're going over to the other side of the lake and then in verse 37 a great windstorm arose as the Amplified Classic says, a storm of her came for portions. And the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. And he was asleep in the stern on a pillow. Now, uh, think about that for a minute. These four guys, these uh, disciples that are out there with them, they're fishermen. They've been on that lake. They understand that they're facing death, and they're scared. So this has got to be a bad situation. Now, we talked briefly about Joshua, how that God had told him, and, and I want to I touch base again on that particular scripture that he told Joshua. Uh, he told him several times to be strong and courageous, but he says, Do not turn aside from my word to the right or the left, so that you may succeed wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may act carefully according to all that is written for then you will be successful and you will be wise. Then he says, do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So these are some strong commands. Now the question comes up, you go back and remember Jesus operated in faith because his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So how do we face storms? How do we face storms? Well, let's look what Jesus did. He, he's a master of doing things nobody predicted. You would not have predicted that Jesus would have come along and stood up, waved his hands, and stomped a hurricane-like storm right in his face. You wouldn't, you, that's not, you just don't think of that. Now, it says, he stood up, rebuked the wind, and said, peace be still. Now, what's interesting is that's only, the, the term used, peace be still, means be muzzled. And the only time, there's only two times that that, that is used, and the other time is in Mark chapter 1, and I believe it's verse 23, 25. Jesus rebuked the, the demon and said, be muzzled and come out of it. The only two times he's used this term is to speak of demonic activity. This storm is sent of Satan to stop him from getting across the other side. That's what it's for. He put out the word, then he rested on the word. Now, this is the interesting part of that. These guys are facing death, and they, and they don't know what to do. 
the, uh, if you follow Peter, and we, we don't know that that was Peter, but we assume it was Peter that stood up and said, hey, we, we just thought we'd let you know we're dying. Um, it seems like something Peter would have said. And uh, so uh, Peter saw Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. Then the interesting thing is, if you take that situation, Peter's facing death here. He's scared. He's afraid. Um, Jesus uh, gets up and rebukes the storm. And listen to what he says to him in uh, verse 40. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Okay? No faith. They, they, they had no no consideration that they would get across the lake on this storm well we'll we get into mark 5 you'll see this in detail but in essence he's saying peter is scared you know he's going to die if we went to matthew 14 the story where peter walks on the water he goes out he does step out of the boat and he does walk on water but then he starts looking around at everything and he sinks he starts to go down what did jesus say to him O ye of little faith. Here he had no faith. There he had little faith. He used what faith he did have to get out of the boat. And then he said, Teacher, save me. And he, and he did. And they got back in the boat. So Peter is to making efforts here to get things done. Well, if you take Mark 4 on the front end and you go to Acts chapter 12 on the back end, uh, Acts, Acts chapter 12, uh, James has been executed. Herod thinks that's a good thing. The Jews are happy with that. So it says he's going to examine Peter in the morning, which means he's going to kill Peter. Okay? So he surrounds him with special forces. Uh, he's got all kinds of policemen around him and so forth. They got him chained and everything. And uh, God sends an angel to break him out of jail. Now, Peter is so sound asleep the angel has to wake him in the kick him in the side to wake him up what happened what happened between mark 4 and acts 12 that peter was able to sleep so soundly the night before he's to be executed that an angel has to kick him in the side to wake him up that's an incredible testament that's the path uh that's that's the path of life that we want to follow we want to we want to make progress here where our faith is growing to the point that we can face death with such certitude that we don't have to worry about it, that we can sleep sound the night before we're to be executed. That's faith in operation, folks. That's what it's about. So this is, and what we want to look here is how do we defeat the enemy? And is this a pattern that's, that's happened uh, throughout the New Testament? Um, I heard a great story, and I, and, um, I taught uh, in a, um, uh, an alcohol and drug rehab uh, group uh, in Athens called Fresh Wind. Taught there for several years, and um, have not taught there since I started working with Rick. Uh, the Lord changed directions, and I'm over here now. But I, one of the stories that I, that I showed them was from a pastor from Los Angeles named E.V. Hill, Ed Hill. I don't know. I think he died in 2002 or three, somewhere in that area. But, but he shared a testimony before he died, and it shows the exact issue 
that we have to face here. Now, we may not be sitting in a boat facing a hurricane, but this story that Ed Hill shares is one that will have an impact if you think about it. Um, he grew up in a little town, I guess, in Mississippi, and, and um, you know, it was uh, back in the in the days where Jim Crow was still around, and they just didn't have anything, and his dad was a pastor at the local church, and he died. Well, his mother, his, and Ed was in the eighth grade, kind of a big guy, and so the people in church said, well, Ed, you're going to have to quit school now and help your mom with the farm. And um, his mom said, no, 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 he's going to go finish high school. And, um, uh, and so he finishes high school. That's something not very many people had done. And so in the process of doing that, he finished high school. And they said, okay, now you can help your mom with your um, uh, with the farm. And she said, no, 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 my boy's going to school. He's going to go to college. And they couldn't believe that because nobody in their family had ever gone to college. No, they can't remember the last time somebody in that town went to college. But uh, Dr. Hill shares the story that on his way, Mama said, don't worry about a thing, son. I'll be praying for you. That was the key element. I'll be praying for you. So she gave him five bucks. He drove. He, he went to school. Said he splurged on the way, and when he got there, he had a dollar ninety-six in his pocket. He gets into the school, and it says, "Where do I go? I'm a new student." And they sent him over here, and he goes over to the line. He gets in line. It says a sign there. It says, "Have eighty-three dollars cash or money order in order to register." He's got a dollar ninety-six. He said there was a number of people in line, and he got in line with them, and he said the enemy started pounding on him. He says, why don't you drop this notion? You're a fool. This isn't going to work. And he said, no, devil, get away from me. Mama said she was praying for me. Well, anyway, he walks through this, and he said when there was only one woman left, he leaned over, and he says, my faith started to weaken. But the enemy said, get out of line. Don't, don't do this. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And he stayed in line. And he said, when the woman in front of him had picked up her purse and was getting ready to leave, and he was the next one, and he was walking up. He's got a dollar ninety-six in his pocket. And just as he gets to the line, somebody taps him on the shoulder and says, Are you Ed Hill? Yeah, I'm Ed Hill. Have you paid yet? No, no, I haven't. And they said, Well, don't, don't let him pay for anything. Because he said, We've given him a complete four-year scholarship. We've paid for all of his books and boarding and we'll give him $30 a month as a stipend. And that's the issue that we have to face. That's the issue that we have to face. Do we have the courage to stand in line with $4 faith and face that $83 thing? If God told us to do that, do you have that type of courage? That's the more of a realistic problem than the, than being in the boat. That That's a... That's a a, a good example being in the boat, but the question is what Dr. Hill said. He said, um, do you have the courage and the faith to stand in line? Now, if we go back to this story, um, he said, why are you so fearful? They said they feared greatly and said to one another, what kind of man is it that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, one of the things we want to talk about um, Let's look at, at um, 
Matthew 13, verses 10 through 18. Matthew 13, verses 10 through 18. Now let's, let's take a look at that. Verse 10. Now I'm reading from the modern English version. It's one of my favorite translations of the Bible. And so may read a little different years, but it's a good translation. So the disciples came and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He said it's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So a lot of times things happen and people say, Well, you you know, you still know what God's going to do and everything. Well, I have a Bible, and the Bible tells me that God says, I'm to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, of which I'm a part of. And he said to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and you'll get your answers. So I'm going to, there's a lot of things that we that come up, especially in society today, and I start asking God questions. And I launch off into a number of different studies and areas that I'm working on just in order that I might be able to have a, uh, a framework okay, to talk to people about concerning these things here. Now, let's go on. He says, hearing you will hear because they don't hear. They said, their ears have become hard of hearing. If they've closed their eyes, they should see with their eyes. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say, many righteous and prophets and, and righteous people have desired to hear those things which you see and to see those things that you see and to hear those things that you hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. So what we hear has a lot to do with how effective we are because we know that the word of God is a seed and your heart is the spirit is the ground that it gets sown in. Now, let's look at um, Luke chapter 8. No, Luke 9, 1. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And listen to what Jesus said. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and all authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's what they were sent to do. Um, we can go through and find very clearly in the Gospel of John. Uh, I believe John 17. Um, Jesus says, I believe it's in verse 18. Let me see if I can find it. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And in 1 John 3, 8, let's look at 1 John 3, 8 real quick. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed that he might destroy the works of of the devil. That's what we've been sent into the world to do. And if you don't understand this part, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, when you run into problems, you're going to find out one of the problems 
One of the issues is you're not sure whether what's going on is from God, if it's from Satan, or who it's from. You just don't know. Now, we could go on down there, and he says, uh, he later on, as we get over into chapter 10, he says in verse, he sent them out to do much the same. We look at verse 18 in chapter 10. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Well, the question is, do you believe that? That's what we want to know. That's what the parable of the sower is. As you begin to work uh, with prophetic uh, gifts that Rick was talking about, as you begin to work with the... um, Spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, when you begin to work in those things, the enemy is going to come after you. He's going to come after you in, in one of these five ways. You can just bet on it. Uh, the, the, the Word says it. Jesus says it. And we'll see as we go through here, especially when we get over to the, uh, to, to the Apostle Paul, you'll understand that he's been doing this for a long time. Satan has been. And um, we'll get, dig into, even get into Paul's thorn in the flesh and uh, find out it's not what you've been taught. Anyway, let's go back and look at this. Let's go back and look at, at words. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. Matthew chapter 12. Can't find that in Luke, Andy. You're going to have to go back to Matthew. Here we go. Matthew chapter 12, and actually we'll start at verse 33. Now listen to what Jesus says here. This is critical. Either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. Verse 37. For by your words... You will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Well, what are words? We found out words are seeds. Where do they get planted? (coughs) You hear them, they get planted in your heart. They get planted in your spirit. I have to shut that off for the time being. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway. So, the words are critical. They're important. And in this situation, we can see, as the Amplified would say here in verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. You can't plant corn and raise wheat. You can't plant thistles 
and raise tomatoes. It doesn't work that way. You get the you get the fruit from the seed that you plant. You get fruit from the seed that you plant. Now, I say to you that for every idle word meant uh, the amplified says idle and inoperative word. They will give an account on the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Words. Um, we had dinner last Thursday with uh, a friend of mine, uh, three friends of ours that we just met from Mount Bethel Church, and um, one of the ladies, Susan, made this comment. She said, you need to keep your mouth shut. Just don't say it. And boy, that struck me because I have um, I have sharp tongue sometimes. And I don't say the right things at the right time. I say the wrong things at the wrong times, many times. And I'm trying to learn how to keep my mouth shut. Uh, I'm making progress, but I'm not where I want to be. But the words that we speak, especially she's talking about self-talk, uh, Susan spoke eloquently about the self-talk and the other things that uh, words that we that we hear and generate fruit inside of us, and many times it's not good. So, uh, but he talks about words, words among thorns. So we have a lot of things. If you think about it, a lot of things that have been spoken into our heart over the year. You're no good. You're this. You're that. You're too fat. You're too ugly. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too dumb. You're, you know, whatever. Uh, the, you're too, too slow. Uh, when I was playing sports, uh, my football coach, when we had to run wind sprints, he came out with a stopwatch and a calendar, and he said this calendar was for Heinz when he ran. He, so, he told me I ran like a dry crick, and that's when you're in Indiana. That a crick is a what what you call a creek down here. He said he ran like a dry crick, and um, he's slower than I looked, and so all the slow jokes. Uh, but those are words uh, said in jest, and uh, although you can't increase your speed, other words like that. You know, you're stupid. You're dumb. You're ugly. Uh, they all assign you nicknames. Uh, you're a slob. You're this. You're that. You're ugly. Da da da. Those are words, and they have impact. And uh, once spoken, they can't come back. You're not going to get them back. Um, now, the Lord may give you grace to be able to overcome them, but you won't get them back. So we need to be careful about what we speak, and that's what Jesus said. Take care of what you listen to, because those words will get into your heart and strike fear. That's what Satan's words do. They produce fear. If you remember very carefully, as soon as Adam and Eve had been confronted with their activities, God says, where are you? Adam, where are you? Well, he's not looking for information. You know that. Adam, where are you? Well, we were hiding over here because we were afraid. Fear. And fear will drive your actions that will cause conflict with the parable of the sower. If you let fear be your guideline, you'll end up being overwhelmed by affliction, persecution, deceitfulness of riches, um, lust and pressure and care and anxiety. All of those things you'll be overwhelmed by if you let fear be your guideline. If you operate in faith, 
you'll be able to face those things. Now, I'm not to say they're easy, but we're going we're gonna to see quite a few things in here. And tomorrow, well, next time we get into this, we'll look at some other words. I'll give you some, some scriptures here for you to look up. Psalm 39.1. Psalm 141.3. Proverbs 13.3. James 1.26. Romans 10. 8 through 10. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Ephesians 429. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Matthew 4, 3 through 4. And Deuteronomy 7, 22 to 23. Now, as we pursue this, uh, before our next meeting, I encourage you, take and read those. Understand the impact that words have on what we do daily. That's one of the things that Jesus taught us, uh, that our words have an impact. And in that impact, um, we have a responsibility to do what God says or we take off on our own. And that, what we're looking at here is how to use God's word to, uh, to, to grow what we're doing and to walk in his word. So um, next time we get together, we're going to dig into this further. We're going to follow Jesus a little farther in a few other chapters here. But read those scriptures. Find out what God said about words. And let's pursue that. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you for listening. Sorry for the distractions, but I'm left here got a lot of things going on i found out today that a dear friend has cancer and um uh that's always a shock when that happens it's affliction the enemies that's what he does Cancer's not in heaven uh, we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven well there's no cancer in heaven i don't want al to have any cancer so father i thank you for this time i thank you for all that you've done for us father we love you we thank you for your word Help us to pursue this and, and, and learn more about the parable of the sower in Jesus' name. Let me get this closing set up. Thank you very much. Senhor, eu vejo mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. 